Well, we're in November. I wish I had some. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I wish I had something more clever to start the show with, but it's just. That was know. such an exciting opener, Mick. I just. I don't know. I was I'm just trying to put something get together. I was like, I need to talk about Thanksgiving, but like we're at the point. You know, Thanksgiving's still very far away. It's just I can't get that excited about that yet, and it's just. It just kind of feels like a month, you know, where 2018's winding down, getting ready to go on to 2019. I'm kind of checked out of this year. <laughs> so you're done. You're already done. I know you guys at home listening are really pumped for this podcast. Oh, this, my so. goodness. Dude, dude, this is, when, this is when it gets busy, man. This is a busy time of year. Every weekend stuff's going down, brah. This is like, can't, yeah. you can't check out now. Maybe that's maybe that's what it is because there is so much stuff happening with like television and movies and so much stuff getting thrown at me. I'm just like, damn. Like I need to slow you can't down handle a bit. It. My DVR is so loaded up right now with shows on bat. Like you you have one night of plans, you are like 2 hours behind on television minimum. <laughs> that's not that much to catch up on though. It's enough. It's I enough, feel, Adrian. I feel like that's just an excuse that cinema blend employees give not to have a life it's like <laughs> it's like i would I have to plans. watch tv i would have plans but then my dvr is gonna be backed up and then i can't work <laughs> well there's been so much i mean even just last month on netflix was just like crazy and it's still yep. like just lots of shows that i mean they've released making a murder and daredevil on the same day that's like, like shows you just how crowded things are with like releases well that's the key just not is to not fair. watch making a murderer and just watch daredevil season three that's how you handle that save those hot takes for last month's episode <laughs> yeah because we're I talking t- about t- november this month baby we are in netflix in november lots of things coming and can i just start things off by saying i am so thrilled that netflix decided to keep v for vendetta on its library for once yeah. in november okay they, they didn't they didn't mix it from the list so anybody you can watch it on the 5th of November. You can relive the gunpowder trees in a lot, alt mm-hmm. history, and all that. And You know why, right? Why? It's, it's obvious, because they heard our last episode. And they oh, were like... yeah! They were like, Mick Jost They're wants like, this, this movie fuck. to be around for November. And then someone at Netflix corporate went, wait, THE Mick Jost from the Core Cutters <laughs> podcast? And they said, yeah! And they were like, well, then we got to. We got to. We swing a lot of weight, man. We get it. We got a couple stars on uh, iTunes. Was that up? <laughs> we got it. <laughs> so Michelin stars. What do we got? What do we got going on in Netflix in November? Lots of great films coming out. Children of Men coming out on the first. It was originally released in 2006. I saw this film in high school, and I'm going to be honest. I don't think it. I when I saw it, it didn't feel like the cinematic masterpiece that I think it's proclaimed today. So maybe I missed something. What's it about, Adrian? From director Alfonso Cuaron, this sci-fi classic tells the story of a dystopian near future where infertility threatens to end the human race and the unlikely hero who tries to protect its last hope. That didn't seem like one you wrote. Is that that one just... uh, No, uh, producer Gabe wrote these. I was going to say, it didn't feel like it came from the heart in that delivery. (laughs) So if you could just work on that in the future. (laughs) That was a, br- a pretty good delivery. Yeah, considering I mean, that I hadn't read fine. that before, it was fine. Uh, I could see your face, and you were bored the whole time. Yeah. so I don't buy it. It's not true. So not back true. to the movie. So it what? has so, it has Clive Owen, 
Mm-hmm. Who, That's true. Who at that at that point in time when that movie came out, I was so into Clive Owen. I was like Same all here. on board. Like when Sin City came out, that like um, that kind of stoic way that he delivers his lines. I was like, oh my god, this guy's going to be the hottest actor uh, in the world for the next decade. Didn't really turn out that way, but um, <laughs> I, I, well, he had a moment. Blah, blah. He had a moment, especially right around this movie. Yeah, he had a hot moment for sure. Um, uh, yeah, but, but I agree with Mick. It wasn't like, it didn't blow my dome like everyone else, but, um. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it enough. I liked, uh, uh, Kuron's, you know, those long takes that, you know, he became kind of notorious for. Uh, it was definitely unique. Um, you know. The baby's disturbing to me in this film, and I'm, I'm kind of curious to rewatch it and see how it's aged. Because even then, I remember, like, I think they used, like, an entirely CGI baby, if I'm remembering right. What? Some, I like, don't that remember was a big any deal. of this. And well, Children of Men? Here's the yeah. thing, Mick. Kids the whole suck. Plot. Well, yeah, yeah, but I don't remember there being a CGI baby. Like, I don't remember being a baby in this movie that freaked me out. I agree. I wasn't in that boat either. <laughs> Am I thinking of a different movie? There is, probably they do rescue a baby a at one point that's a little movie. naked, right? Are you thinking of the movie that Clint Eastwood did with Bradley Cooper just a few no, years ago? No, I'm thinking of the one in the future where people can't have children and they find somebody has a baby and they got to go get this baby. And like, is, <laughs> am I thinking this? What the fuck am I thinking? No, you're about? right. Are you, ta- are you talking about the birth scene in Children's yeah, Men? Yeah, yeah. I thought the baby was kind of unsettling at the time and I wonder if it looks even weirder now than it did then. Well, that's, we just, like a that's just because CGI phase during that's era. just because kids suck and childbirth is unsettling. Like, I mean, there's nothing. <laughs> I just feel like there I you feel go. like things of like I feel like the visual effects I see on like CW shows like The Flash were what we were operating with on the film level in like right. 2006. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so glad I see that looking corny as hell. I'm like, so glad that you took day. a jab at The Flash right now because those buff sharks look so fucking stupid to me. <laughs> yeah, I feel you, dude. I mean, it's not something I noticed at the time, but um but I I'm going to assume this that's a valid point. Okay. That was I mean, that was really the only point I wanted to make. It was a solid film other than that. I just I hear a lot of people talk this film up a lot, and for me, I was just like, oh, this, you know, it's a movie. It's all right. Great observation. It is a movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, it was good, man. I mean, it was, you know, but I agree. It wasn't like, you know, groundbreaking or anything. It was good. It was a movie. Right. Not, not as, not as fondly remembered as this next one, which I feel like everyone is always going on and on about. Close Encounters of a Third Kind coming out on the first, first released in 1977, November 16th. It's almost like an anniversary. Too bad they didn't like sync that up with the, you know, release it on the second. Now it's going out on the first. Anyway. What's it about? Another sci-fi... Sci, why can't I say sci-fi? See, Another sci-fi classic. This time from director Steven Spielberg about a husband and father who witnesses a UFO and becomes obsessed with finding an explanation, even if it means giving up everything. Yeah, dude. How do you guys feel about this movie? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen this movie all the way through. What? I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it on television. I've never actually physically rented and watched like the film that way, but I've definitely seen it in its entirety on television. I'm familiar with the bomb, 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 bomb. Well, everybody's bomb, right. Yeah, everybody's was, familiar with that. 
And the mashed potatoes where the kid is like building up the mashed potatoes or whatever. That melody kind of gives me chills, man. Like, I'm not super nuts about that movie, and it doesn't have this huge nostalgic value the way it does for a lot of people, but that yeah. that melody, for some reason, I don't know if it's the pop culture impact or what, but it's like, I don't know. That was a dope scene. It's a good movie. Um, well, it's one of those movies that, like, the science fiction part, I mean, like, aliens come, and it's not necessarily a devastating world-ending experience where either side is looking to, like, destroy the other one. It's not like E.T. Yeah. where, like, Oh, here's an alien. Let's go ahead and try to kill it, because that's what happens in the film. Kind well, of. let's 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 be honest. That's what would go down in real life, right? But Close yeah. Encounters of a Third Kind kind of tackles that, like, oh, humans are like interested in this thing, and then they show up, and then nothing ever really like develops to a point of violence. I guess is what I'm talking about. It's like the ideal scenario that everyone would hope would go down, right? Although we all know it would not. Oh, he's cool. <laughs> As Jeff looks out the window, contemplating. Jeff, are you um, are you without your kombucha today? What's going on? You're you're correct. I'm without my kombucha today. Maybe that's why I'm, I'm low energy. If I'm being totally honest, when Mick was explaining it just now, I was like. I was like longingly staring out at the sky, thinking about the nature of humanity and and how we react to these things. And and I was just having like a really deep moment, man. Like, I don't think that this show should be a time for philosophical reflection. So I'll try to put it on the back burner. But um, I just had it's kind of tied to Close Encounters of a Third Kind, though. It It inspired you to think of the state of humanity and how maybe like, you know, films show a better side of us sometimes than what we would have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, on one hand, though, it is good to have, like, an alien encounter movie that doesn't erupt into violence, because that's usually what happens. Well, so it's yeah, good to I, have a yeah. different, uh, see a different side of that kind of, that kind of thing. That's why I liked Arrival so much, is that's what yeah. they were trying to avoid, you know? And then they have that hot minute where the soldiers are like, oh, we're still going to fuck shit up. And then it kind of goes back to, like, no, we got to understand them. So it deals with similar kind of... Right. You know, but I was thinking about just thinking about that curiosity and like, um, like, I don't know, I give up my whole life, you know, to like my wife and kids were like, we're like, you got to be present. I'd be like, I saw a fucking UFO. I will find out what's going on. And then we can continue <laughs> our like picket fence nonsense. There's larger things happening in this war. <laughs> how did, how did Jeff go nonsense. from being tuned out of the discussion for a brief minute into saying he would up and leave his family? <laughs> UFOs? Bro, I'm all over the place today. I've been busy. <laughs> I've been busy as shit. I leave for New Zealand tonight. I have Ooh. a lot on my plate right now. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Okay. Respect. Close the cameras of a third kind. It'll make you think a lot of shit out on the first. Doctor Strange <laughs> coming on the first as well. I didn't even know it had left, but now that it's gone and returned just month, like what? We're, that's like two months before Disney's going to pull all their stuff anyway. Yeah. Not quite sure why it made the arrival. Who knows? <laughs> but Doctor Strange, it's the Marvel Doctor Strange you're familiar with. Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stephen Strange, if you haven't seen it, he's a skilled physician. Do you want me to read the synopsis? I was, you know, I'm just saying time you want to jump in. Cool. You know, you could like you could like ask me to read a synopsis one of these times if you Jeff, so choose. We all know you do the next segment, which is all the stuff we don't actually talk about. We right. Just That's true. It casually. <laughs> right. Right. You can't right. break protocol. All right. Fuck so, you. Adrian, if you please. 
A highly skilled and wholly logical brain surgeon gets thrust into the illogical world of magic and sorcery, which ultimately changes his entire world and his perspective of it forever. And, well, this says he eventually becomes an Avenger, but I don't think he, Doctor Strange is an official Avenger. I think he just works with them sometimes. Right. I, I think you're right on that. And also, I'm just going to say, now that I'm several months removed from it, Doctor okay. Strange is probably one of the weakest Marvel films. In my you didn't opinion. like it? It wasn't that I didn't like it. It was one of those that was just kind of fine, very straightforward. I think they underutilized a lot of the cool stuff about Doctor Strange. Like, the coolest sequence was when uh, Tilda Swinton's character blew his mind, and he's, like, flying through all these trippy sequences. I was yeah. like, this is the Doctor Strange I'm excited about. And then the film basically turned into, like, I can do those visual effects from Inception really well. And that's, like, a majority of the film is them fighting on, like, inverted buildings and stuff. I didn't see as much strangeness. You even see more of Doctor Strange's powers in Infinity War, which I yeah. guess is appropriate. It's a it's an origin film. But I would have liked to see more strangeness out of Doctor Strange, if that makes <laughs> sense. You wanted to see more weird more weird stuff. Yeah, because he's kind more of known. Stuff. I mean, that's part of the that's part of his shtick. It's, it's yeah, a the magic weird. and the mystical and all that. Right. I, I guess I get that. I liked it. Okay, would you say like where would you put it? on your list of least liked Marvel films. I would just put it amongst like the most vanilla ones. Like I would put it right next to the first Thor film where it's just like, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward cookie cutter beginning, Mm -hmm. middle and end. No radical twist. It's fine, but not like entirely entertaining. I think that's a really interesting way to put it. It's like Thor and Doctor Strange are vanilla, while Ragnarok and Infinity War are kinky as fuck. Is that like this? <laughs> is that the scale we're working with? Thanos is a freak with that gauntlet. <laughs> that Infinity Gauntlet's used for some weird shit. You don't even want to know. No, you know, I mean, I guess it's um, and it's something that I think Marvel has struggled with in creating all their films. I think for they're they're less willing to play with the formula on characters that they're trying to establish. Uh, probably one of the reasons why Edgar Wright was booted from the Ant-Man film. They kind of want that just kind of, they don't want to confuse audiences too much. They want to make it clear about like what's going on in this guy's story, what he's doing. And I feel like Dr. Strange had a lot of territory. It could have broached, but they were like, let's just get the most basic information about this guy out here before we do the next Avengers. Well, and that's the thing when you have a character like Dr. Strange that deals with magic and all this stuff that we hadn't seen that much of, Previously in the MCU, they're trying to bring in just the most, ba- like you said, the most basic information. So maybe that isn't going to be as exciting as, um, you know, like if they do a sequel to Doctor Strange, with the, which I've heard they are, um, that can go further into that kind of stuff because they've already laid the groundwork for it. They're going to call it Doctor Stranger, I hear. Mm. And nope. <laughs> this nope. is a great joke. That's a good home. shit. All right. <laughs> Whatever. Doctor Strange going to be on the service the first. Now we're moving away from that to a classic film, one that mm. many love, also coming out on the first. It's always always the peak stuff comes out at the beginning of the month. Good Will Hunting, uh, yeah. 1997. Mm-hmm. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Robin Williams. Yeah. Who else am I forgetting? Matt Damon. Mini Driver. Mini Driver, yeah. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck won their first Oscar for writing it. Robin Williams won his first Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was uh, 
God, remember? Do you guys remember the hype over that movie? I was really, yeah. I, we were all really young when it came out, but it was like, um, I don't remember the hype. I was probably watching Space Jam. I was going to say you were probably probably a little too young, but it was. I just remember everyone talking about these kids. You know, Ben and Matt just blew up all of a sudden. Oh, these kids yeah. wrote this movie, and these kids wrote this, and they're so brilliant, and blah blah blah, and it's like. Shit, like none of us could have predicted the types of careers they would have had moving forward after this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, because sometimes you have a wild success like that when you're really young and you just your career just nosedives and your personal life nosedives because you just can't handle it or whatever. And they're basically doing fine. They've gone on to have, you know, long careers where they've done lots of different type, uh, types of stuff. So, yeah, it's it worked feels, out well for them. It feels I would like- counter that, like, maybe... I feel like initially after Goodwill Hunting, just because of how their careers went afterwards, that most people kind of assume Matt Damon deserved a lion's share of the credit for the film. But now, like, Ben, at, we're just kind of like in the past, like, half decade or so, or maybe just the past decade, seeing Ben Affleck really hit what I would say is like the peak of his career. Because I don't think, I think Matt Damon just kind of instantly took off and just kept going. And I feel like with Ben Affleck, he just kind of did like a couple of cheesy things kind of bad so i don't i, I feel like he's right. kind of hitting his stride as like a director serious right. actor so what kind of what happened was after after goodwill hunting uh affleck established himself as the filmmaker and damon established himself as the actor really so matt damon's been all these in these leading roles and he's been nominated for all these oscars and it took uh, and affleck was kind of a joke in hollywood because he he made poor choices like he sucked in daredevil and he wasn't good in jersey girl these were bad movies uh you know he was in Geely, wasn't he? he he was in Geely, right so those three specifically were like uh, he wasn't very well respected in Hollywood, but it's because he's not really uh, much of a leading man as much as he is a filmmaker, right? So then he writes and directs Gone Baby Gone, which that's one of my favorite movies with Ed Harris and Casey Affleck. It's so fucking good. And yeah. um, after that, his career kind of took off. And then he did Argo and he won Best Picture. And he even mentioned during his Oscar speech uh, for Argo, he was like, there was a time in Hollywood where I couldn't even get a job and I'm trying not to hold grudges. But it's like, you know, everyone just had this perception of him that like, you know, it's funny. People did say that like, oh, Damon was probably the guy who put in all the work behind Goodwill Hunting. And that's the reason it was good. But then Affleck is the one that comes out as the filmmaker. So maybe it was the other way around. And Damon was just the leading man, you know, who wrote How Do You Like Them Apples? That's what's important. That's, that's, that's the that's important. The part. <laughs> Actually, I have a better question. Where does this okay. fall? on the radar of Robin Williams roles for you like where do you rank this amongst his performances is it in the middle is it bad is it better is it number one for me number this, one number one for me I'm a huge Robin Williams fan like in general this is one of my favorite movies of all time and this is my favorite role of his hmm I don't Adrian? know I have to say overall this is one of those movies that I saw and was like okay I liked that but why is everybody going ape shit over this movie because it established a stereotype that Boston dudes are rough, but then also sometimes wicked smart. Wicked smart, boys, wicked smart. <laughs> You've just been waiting to say that this whole time. <laughs> I've had it loaded this whole since we time. To start talking about boys, wicked smart. Because <laughs> uh, it's great. Because it's great. It's got it's got like so many tear jerking, amazing scenes. When was the last time you saw it? A long time ago. I would watch it again. 
and you'll be like, and you'll cry and you'll be like, I get it now. And then you'll call me and I'll be like, I didn't know you have my number. And then we'll talk for an hour. <laughs> it's not important. Let's talk about goodwill hunting. <laughs> it's not important. It's not <laughs> Anyway, by the way, the synopsis, I'll just do it. The janitor with a genius level IQ is discovered by a professor at MIT who then tries to help him reach his true potential. Spoiler alert. I can't remember what happens at the end. So and you're just going to have know, to watch it for yourself. That is like the gimmicky plot that this genius kid is like a, a rough Boston dude. Um, and he's like discovered, oh, the janitor is actually a genius. But when you think about that movie, it doesn't feel like that's what it's about. You know right, what it, what it right. feels like? What it feels like it's about is it feels like this full grown orphan dealing with the demons of his past. You know, that's what it that's what the plot is, really. You know, the, the other smart comedy gimmick is just something to build all those conversations and monologues around, you know. Adrian, I get the sense Jeff really likes this film. Yeah. <laughs> also, I have to say, just in general, he's he's very filled with like introspection and is <laughs> very thoughtful today. Jeff, I think you're better without the kombucha. That's the conclusion I've come to. <laughs> well, ten minutes ten minutes ago, you wouldn't have said that. So <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm I'm better I'm better without the kombucha when it's films that I like. When it's something I don't like, I need that kombucha. You know what I mean? Like, I need that. (laughs) We gotta move on. We gotta move on. Fourth, Disney Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Came out in 2007. The third of now, what are now five Pirates of the Caribbean films. This is the one. Caribbean, Caribbean, whatever. This is the one where they're pirates pirating around. Producer Gabe, I'm going to kill you. And Johnny Depp's <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow is drunk the whole time, but ultimately saves the day. You get it. <laughs> yep. That, good job, Gabe. That's uh, yeah. That's basically you know what I initially learned. I learned this recently. Did you know that Disney, like, there were some heated conversations during the first parts of the Caribbean over Jack, uh, the way Johnny Depp decided to play Jack Sparrow. Like, he went wildly off script with like how he was supposed to play the character. Okay, um, so they were trying to decide whether or not they were going to allow him to continue that or if they were going to try to rein him in. Well, the thing was, Depp knew he kind of had him cornered because they had already dropped a ton of money and firing Johnny Depp from a high profile production is not going to be the best PR move. So he was just like, fuck it, you're going to have to fire me if you don't want me to play it that way. And they didn't do it, which we all know became like an iconic performance, which basically... Pushed uh, Orlando Bloom out of the as the completely leading man of this took franchise. Over the, completely took over the franchise. Yeah, it's just I, hilarious yeah. that Jack Sparrow was originally intended to be a side character. I mean, that's yeah. fairly evident from the first film. You know, he's supposed to be a supporting role. To where we hit the third film and we're like, this franchise is ma- mainly about Jack Sparrow at this point. Yeah, and that ki- that kind of thing makes you respect Johnny Depp as an actor too, because like stories come out these days that like he has an earpiece where his lines are fed to him because he doesn't even rehearse, like you know stuff like that that makes it <laughs> so weird. That yeah. just makes and him he's seem like, like thirty grand a month on wine, <laughs> right? Like stuff stuff that makes him seem like he really doesn't take his job very seriously. But the idea that he would like have an interpretation of this character that he was you know uh, passionate enough about, like. Yeah, and then that he was nominated for an Academy Award for playing it, and that's probably something that no one saw coming when they went into production. So it's like, you know, fuck you, powers that be. He kind of got his way, and then he was right. Yeah. Now let me let me say this though. 
I will say that while I love the first parts of the Caribbean film, the successive films drastically dip in quality for me, which that has true. made me think about would it be the same story if Johnny Depp would have just stayed as a supporting character and they would have went the course they wanted to go? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You don't not. think so? No, you don't even no. think it would have been that big of a movie? No, that's like saying would Mystique no. still have as much of a role in the X-Men franchise if Jennifer Lawrence wasn't the biggest actress in the world. You know what I mean? That's it's true. Like, that's true. It's that's like, a fair question. They, they kind of build these parts around the these high-profile actors, uh, you know. And Well, these are the, just like the questions I want to ask because there's a reboot being considered for Pirates of the Caribbean. And yeah. part of me wonders if Disney, when they try to do that... I mean, obviously, I think most people will say it's not Pirates of the Caribbean if you don't try to do Jack Sparrow again, maybe in a different interpretation. But also there's a part of me that's like, that's what would this thing, franchise though. be if he wasn't quite so exactly. Jack Sparrow-y? Even if they bring in the character... What is that actor going to do that's going to live up to the, you know, the first movie, especially watching Johnny Depp do Jack Sparrow? Like, it's going to be completely disappointing. <laughs> yeah, who would even play that part? Exactly. Well, I think, and that's what I think it is, though. I think what the, Disney's about to create is the same problem Warner Brothers has had with recreating the Joker after Heath Ledger's performance. Where it's, yeah, people have become more interested to see how someone will play the character differently than they actually are as to whether or not it'll top the performance. Like, people just are really interested, you know, people will show up just to be like, I want to see how the new Jack Sparrow does. They're not even necessarily concerned of whether it's faithful or how it's done. It seems like they kind of thrive off that, like, I'll pay a ticket just to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a, a good point. I, I always love seeing how that stuff goes down, and you can really tell like uh an example that comes to mind might be a shitty example it's not you know not franchisey but like um jeff bridges in true grit the way he was talking about he yeah. act he actively avoided watching the original again which he hadn't seen in a long time because he said mm. he said he doesn't want to be john wayne he doesn't want to fill the duke's boots he just wants to plow forward with his own interpretation and try and put that out of his mind as much as possible you know what i mean yeah. and like that's probably the way to do it Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but with with something like Disney bringing in, you know, having trying to have some somebody new play Jack Sparrow, there is Andrew Garfield. There, stop. There's probably <laughs> nobody in the world who you know pays even general attention to movies and things like that who has not seen Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow. So right. it'll be in the back of your head. You know, it's not like something, it's not something you could easily avoid. Right, right. Yeah, that would be difficult. Yeah. Just deep conversations, deep conversations we're having here. Because Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, it's a fine film. You'll know if you like it or not. A fine film, before. mighty fine film. Finally, wrapping things up, on the 18th, this came out in 2007, The Pixar Story. It's a documentary about Pixar Animation Studios. I'm sorry, Adrian. I'm stepping all over your territory. You can. Um, we're we're good. <laughs> featuring featuring interviews like Brad Bird, Billy Crystal, mm-hmm. Steve Jobs, Tom Hanks. I almost tried to do a Billy Crystal impression there, but I've learned not to do impressions. So on So glad anymore. that you didn't do that. Yeah. Let's just. What would that even sound like? Like Mike Wazowski, obviously. Okay. But that's just like. Oh, I guess that's fair. It's kind of an exaggerated version. Like, ah! <laughs> so why'd I do it? Why'd why you you were being you were so that, good. Wait you a said, minute, that Mick, that just sounds like you. I don't know what ah, that was. Look, I'm Billy Crystal. <laughs> Is that Kermit the Frog? What, what I haven't you? seen enough of his movies to do a line. 
<laughs> what I love about that is that your face turned bright red. That took a lot of effort yeah, for you. Yeah, I know. He's because good. I knew I talked myself into a corner. I was like, why did you even say that you wanted to do that? You should have just... He's more like a Woody Allen type character. He's got a thick New York accent, Stop. right? I don't want to hear... I, I thought you were comparing me to Woody Allen. I was like, Jeff, no, I will no, fight no. you through this computer screen. <laughs> just because I have glasses... Long hair. Okay, we need to move on from Woody Allen. We shouldn't get yeah. stuck on this now. Let's get out of it. Let's get <laughs> out of it. This can go to it's some dark out. places. It's coming out on the 18th. You want to learn the story of Pixar? This is how you do it. It's, it is what it is. Jeff, we're finally to your part of the show. The stuff coming out, oh. what is it? That we don't talk about. Yeah, yeah, the, the stuff we, that we don't, we don't talk, talk about. about it. But these okay, are, these are um, worth talking about. Not all right. really, but I mean... Uh, so this is the mentions only section. All of these, all of these, except for the last one, are being released on November 1st. So I'm not even going to get into it. Um, we got Cape Fear. Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Juliette Lewis. Great movie. Watch Cape Fear. Cloverfield. J.J. Abrams. Come on. From Dust Till Dawn. You know what it is. George Clooney. That's a, it's a classic. It's, it, that, it's, it's, it's crazy. Julie and Julia. Quirky as shit. That's a great movie. Uh, it's got, got my boy Stanley Tucci up in there. Like he's he steals every scene. National Tucci Lampoon's for life. Go on. Yeah, yeah, bro. National Lampoon's Animal House. I'm not even gonna get into it. Just it's classic, classic, classic comedy. Just watch it with your face. Uh, scary, <laughs> scary movie two and three. Scary movie two and three. I actually really like scary movie three for some reason. I think it's kind of underrated. It's got that airplane. It's really humor. good. I six, agree. I six, agree. Thank you, bro. I'm really appreciating all the support I'm getting through this section right now. Adrian's just <laughs> shaking your head. That I don't appreciate. Sixteen candles. John Hughes. Sixteen candles. Come on, yeah. classic. Watch it. The English Patient. What? Mm-hmm. See the English Patient. And the last one comes out on uh, November twelfth. The only one that I don't know, Green Room. What is what is Green Room? Do you guys know That's Green Room? That's the one I believe with Patrick Stewart is in it. Playing and he's a, a white supremacist, right? Yeah, he's a scary guy, and like some kids who are in a band um, see some criminal activity they shouldn't, and so they're trying to. I think they're trying to like track him down and kill him, basically. Oh, dope. That sounds, uh, sounds... Oh, it's, I got Anton Yelkin, so I mean, like... A punk rock band is forced to fight for survival after witnessing a murder at a neo-Nazi skinhead bar. I feel like me okay. and Adrian pretty hit the... We hit the nail on the head. Yeah. That one. Yeah, I get one section. I get one now, section. Now you clam up. And you guys, you guys steal my... Th- I don't think I clammed up, dog. I, like, sat here and I was honest with you. I didn't no, read some... No, I think, I think that was amazing. I was just ask- I was just saying your time's done now, so... <laughs> Fucking... Whatever. We're done with you, Jeff. Okay. We're on the Netflix originals. Logging off. <laughs> there are... Uh, I hate to say it. I yeah. was kind of underwhelmed with the stuff coming out this month in November on, as far mm-hmm. as the originals, but there are some good things worth mentioning, like... House of Cards, first thing we're talking about, season six, final season. We're going to find out how Frank Underwood dies. Spoiler alert, he dies. And we're going to see Claire, you know? And that's coming out on the yeah, second. Yeah, she's taking over. What's going she's on, the guys? Woman, she's the go. first woman president. I don't watch House of Cards. Do you, you guys got, watch did it? Did you ever jump in? You did. You Is it one that you watched initially and tuned out, or you just haven't stuck with it? I just watched the first episode to see what it was about, and I'm like, all these people are a hundred percent shit, and I can't, I can't care about whether they get what they want or not. <laughs> I absolutely loved seasons one and two, and mm-hmm. then once, once I got behind, 
it's just the problem I have with American television. It always goes too long and it ends up burying itself. And I have a hard time keeping up with it because I know it's just going to get bad. I'll finish it eventually, but you know, it's been solid so far. I made it all the way to, I think I officially tapped out at the start of season five where I was just like, this is just becoming too, uh, I don't, I don't even know. It was just kind of getting boiled down in its own stuff, and I felt like there was yeah. just too much of a pause between seasons where it was taking me too much just to like be brought up to speed on what was to happening. To remember what happened right. before, yeah. However, if you are someone who's tuned out, now's the time to get in, because of course there was the whole Kevin Spacey controversy. He got booted mm-hmm. from the series. Wait, what? Ross, stop. stop. <laughs> Robin Wright is now like the lead. She's president of the United States. She's got all these people gunning for her, probably like people that Frank made deals with when he was in office that she didn't know about. And as we learn in season, I mean, we've pretty much known this whole series. Claire Underwood is arguably just as bad of a person as her husband. She might be mm-hmm. worse, dude. She's she's some she's uh, some sociopathic, cold, heartless uh, nonsense there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's. There's something there's something special about her portrayal that just makes you it just reminds you of a certain person in your life. You're like, man, I'm glad I don't see that person anymore. Or maybe you still what? see him and it's a living nightmare. I don't know and anybody don't know like Robin Wright in House of Cards, but I feel I, bad for you. Gotcha. Yeah. So what's going down in Indianapolis, bro? What's yeah, life man, like it's, there? It's it's rough out here in these streets. But dude, she's <laughs> she's she's so good in that role though. She is really good. She is really good at being a person who is so snaky and unlikable and scary. We also have some other big guest stars coming in that season being Greg Kinnear and Diane Lane, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. They're both playing like a, a super pack power couple. Well, they're not a couple. They're brother and sister, but they're one of those behind the scenes mm. uber billionaires who pay for all those election ads you're seeing right about now. The Funk Soul Brother. So... that's my kind of joke man that's mick oh my that's i brought it back with that one that was great i think we should just cut now because it's not gonna get any better shut it down shut down the rest of right now we did it (laughs) we did what we came here for that's coming out on the second house of cards season six tune into it then moving on to another one that's been just i know way too much about it outlaw king coming out on the ninth chris pine Playing yeah. a Scottish king, well, mm-hmm. he's king of England and take it. He's trying to re- regain no. control of Scotland. Let, okay, you, let me just well, read the you synopsis you're because the you, you're the pro. You completely bungled that. Nick. I know. Yep. Mm-hmm. This period drama follows Robert the Bruce's battle to regain control after being made an outlaw by the king of England for taking the Scottish crown, and also there's Chris Pine's penis. That's what I was gonna say. I was like. I hate the fact that, wow. like, I swear bi-monthly we bring up penises on this podcast, but it needs yeah. to be said again, because there were so many headlines talking about Chris Pine's, quote-unquote, <laughs> dazzling penis. What? It was, yes, his penis, <laughs> read who, the headlines, wait, who dude. Call, who called it dazzling? Yeah, who called, that's my thing, I was like, like what are we talking about here? I'm if about the, to, I'm about to. Dazzling penis. I'm about to use my work machine to google chris pine's dazzling <laughs> penis to google <laughs> i can't wait for the i can't wait for that to pop through hr okay so no here's the- no we just have to okay for everyone listening we can all see each other it's a video conference call 
Mick and I were just going to wait for the literal explosion that happens when you Google that and come up with search results. I'm going to see it like in his, I'm going to see it in yeah, his Yeah, we're going to see just like a, just I'm just going to see a bright light that is Yeah, just an explosion <laughs> as, the, as the laptop just incinerates. I, I'm just going to start seizing up and then like I can never speak again. I'm about to have a stroke. So, um, so okay, the funny thing is that most of the headlines have dazzling in quotes. So it's like, we're not right. calling it dazzling. Someone else did. That's like right. the big joke. Yeah. But Vulture, Vulture's headline is, Chris Pine's penis dazzles in Outlaw King. So that's pretty good. <laughs> well, so it's, it's got I, an actual oh, part. Here's, yeah, another, here's another Vulture headline. Chris Pine knows you're talking about his penis, baby. <laughs> that's the thing. This movie has been dominated by penis talk, and apparently it's all about... Because there's a full frontal scene where you're going to see Chris Pine's penis in this yeah. film. And as stage. we know, we don't see those a lot in mainstream movies. It just right. does not happen. No. No, we do not. So well, that's I, why it's a big deal. And plus, he's a big star. And big, you know, major male stars don't usually do stuff like this. Do They're you, not usually asked to, and they don't usually do it. Are you aware of, like, the innuendo... Like everything you've said since we mentioned Chris Pine's penis has been like he's a big star. And yeah, no, I was trying, I was trying to avoid all of that, and it did not work. So oh, I'm sure, I'm sure I haven't, I'm I haven't sure. seen the movie yet. Maybe he is a big star. I'm That's sure kind it of works a big deal fine. because I don't know how often I've, let alone a Netflix original, I can't yeah. think of how many times I've seen Full Frontal and on Netflix in general, let alone like a Netflix original. I think yeah. there's been foreign films where I've seen some. I was like, whoa, that was more yeah. than I was there expecting. There was some, there's some movie that I think it's still on Netflix. It might be called Love, I think. Um, but the movie starts with a woman giving a guy a blowjob. And it's real activity. Like, there's no, you see the whole act happening. I take it back. I've seen Sense8, and they show a surprising okay. oh, amount yeah. of dong in that movie, in that show. Oh, dude. The, did you see, did you finish Sense8? I didn't finish Sense8. Oh, But my. I, I really enjoyed the first season, but I didn't, I, what, is there more penises to come? No, it's the very last shot of the film is such a testament to their fans and, and the tone of that show. It, I, I I'm not even going to say because it it's too too vulgar. But the the very last frame of that film is a Jeff. You're making it sound like it's just a dong. Yeah, it's worse. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's worse. The very it's last frame says. of Sensei is is a rainbow strap on. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. But yeah, okay. That's, I think that's, that's all. I think that's pretty much all you have to say. All you have to say. A okay, used, a used got, rainbow I promise we're back on track. Every time we talk about penises on this show, it turns into just long, way too long, drawn out discussions. <laughs> yeah, our, our producer long, just said, let's drawn get back out on track. Discussions. It's Look, coming out on the ninth. There's billions Outlaw of penises King. in the world. It's hard to Obviously, avoid. Obviously, you yeah. see how they're marketing the film, so tune into it if you're looking to see that. Otherwise, Dazzling. it seems like a pretty solid film based on the trailers that I've seen. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Dazzling penis. All right. I had to also say it coming time. out on the ninth. Super drag season one. Super drags season one. Yeah. I've never heard of this. Here's the synopsis. Three gay friends working by day at a department store lead double lives as, oh my, crime fighting superhero drag queens. So That's a lot. Is this a Sounds reality like a lot of work. series or is this a... I, they're crime nope, fighting it's an superheroes. Animated it's an animated series. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. It's it's unique animation. 
Yep, 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 yep. It looks like um, the animation you sound style. Very surprised. The animation style looks like Samurai Jack esque. Yeah, like, it does. Or I'm like looking at it now. Maybe even some yeah. like Powerpuff Girls esque kind of, mm-hmm. um, but with drag queens. Yeah. Which is you know that's that's what I'm getting from it. Yeah, it's it's kind of like I don't know. I kind of get like a Powerpuff Girls vibe from it in some ways. Yeah, but, but like new Powerpuff Girls, not old original Powerpuff Girls. If you're a fan of drag culture, it seems like many of these characters are inspired by actual famous notable drag personalities for sure. Like I feel like I definitely just saw a RuPaul kind of take on a character. Uh, right, which I'm assuming is the only drag personality that you're familiar with. <laughs> I was like, I was like, he's about to name drop RuPaul because that's the only one that he knows. How you gonna out <laughs> me like that, man? <laughs> okay, awesome. So go ahead and see Super Drag season one on the ninth if you would like to. Now getting into stuff that Jeff is all about the Great British Breaking Show Collection Six coming out on the ninth. Mm-hmm. It's a cooking show. I've heard one of the best, in all honesty. I've heard Great British Breaking Show. God, that is hard to say really quickly. Yeah, Great British Baking Show. It's People get together and they bake. Which is weird because I thought the British historically aren't known for good food. So why would that be one of the more popular cooking shows? Well, well, here's the thing. Baking, Baking is different from regular old cooking. Not that regular old cooking isn't difficult, right. but there is a difference. Right. Baking is more like pastries, more like desserts. Getting getting back to it, British Bake Off is going to be basically like the home for this, like in America. Netflix brought like the rights to this in a big way. I know they got like three holiday specials coming in the next that couple seems of like years. Too many. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a lot. Depends on how much you like to cook. You got the next three seasons, I believe, are exclusive to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, which are all airing in the UK first and then being right. dropped all at once. Basically, like, I think the week after the finale is kind of how they're doing it. So, yeah, Great British Bake Off. God, I'll never... Great British Breaking... I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> this broke me, man. I'm done. It's coming out on the 9th. It's a show. You'll love it. Narcos. They're going to Mexico. Yep. On the 16th. Have you guys been following Narcos? Nope. The people who keep watching it have told me that it has become so much better than it was in the Pablo era. And I'm not sure if I'm ready to believe that. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I couldn't... I loved season one, and I started season two, and for some reason it just Mm. couldn't hold my interest. I don't know why. So is Narcos Mexico the third season? It's season four. Okay. Um... Completely different yeah, story. Yeah, this is That's something I, I never watched because I just, uh, I'm just not interested. I just don't need to, <laughs> I just don't need to know that much about how, you know, the dirty things people do to run a drug empire. Adrian's not up on the dope game. She took, she was way in, she was like, dare, school, people offered her illicit substances in college. She was like, nope, I'm telling campus police. She said, just say no. And she Are you like, admitting that you've done drugs right now, no, Mick? Is that what, you do, so what, what you're saying? Why are you That's what it sounds skirt? like. I feel like everybody's picking on me today. <laughs> are you high right now, Mick? Mick is, Mick is fucking high right now. <laughs> you guys, what is Unlike happening right now? Some hard we st- started well, off so well. I felt like things were going really good. 
up until these past three show descriptions. It's the penis. The penis the always penis, gets us man. off track. It's the penis. <laughs> the penis gets a lot of people off track. We're all we're all, <laughs> we're all narcos is happening in Mexico. The Guadalajara cartel is rising. American DEA agent learns <laughs> the danger of targeting narcos in Mexico. <laughs> Damn it. Why? We're going to get canceled. <laughs> We're going to get Next canceled. Next one coming up. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Joel and Ethan Cohen. It's another yes. Cohen Brothers film, which is obviously going to get people excited. Mm-hmm. It is a short form. It's like six tales about the American frontier. And they wrote and directed this anthology. It looks from the. It looks very Cohen-y. Yeah, I can't wait. I think it looks great, man. It has the guy. I can't remember the actor's name, but he's one of the three in. Oh brother! Uh, oh brother! Right now. Yeah, Velmer. He was Velmer. Yeah. Forever? Let's put it this way: He's not George Clooney or John Turturro. <laughs> it's it's Tim Blake Nelson. That's yes. it, that's who it is. I think that he is absolutely hilarious in the trailer, so I cannot wait for it. Are all of these stories going to involve his character directly, or is it like six entirely different stories? And just I would assume it's called the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. So I figured each one would right. involve his character in some. He way. does play Buster Scruggs, so I would assume. Yeah, maybe he's narrating it or something. I hope so. I would be fine with that as well. He's, it's the weird thing is I feel like he plays it exactly the same way he played his character in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Well, like, that's just, just kind of right, goofy, and that's just kind of his demeanor. You know what I mean? In a lot of things, yeah. It must be hard for him to wait for roles. <laughs> we, need, we need a doofy dude. Yeah, that, that are ex- exactly like the way that he talks and acts. Like, I mean, what, how often are those going to come around? Yeah. You can't be an everyman like Seth Rogen where you just show up and be yourself and get, like, all these roles. Right, right. I don't know so, if I call Seth Rogen an everyman. Yeah, I was just pondering that same thing. I was what like, in what universe could Seth Rogen play everyone? I mean, like, he there's a thousand examples. He <laughs> could be an action hero. He could be in a romance film. Yeah, there's a thousand Knocked examples up, you could have used for that. Express. Matt Damon, like uh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks is an everyman. Like, but then like that you choose fucking Seth, Seth Rogen. Rogen. As if I, Seth, okay, as if Seth I, Rogen could play Jason Bourne. Just here's like, like, here's <laughs> the argument. What's that laugh that I was making? Here's the argument I was making: is that he shows up in like. like they have acting styles and where it feels like the person is not too far removed from the role. Like they're kind yes. of just being themselves. They're That's not the same as an everyman person. though. Okay. Then I use the terminology. He's more like an every other man. Stop. <laughs> I hate you guys so much. Yeah. The you final do. table. Next one. 20th. Coming out on the 20th. This is a cooking show competition. They're putting everybody, 12 yeah. teams of two chefs. Around the world, we got Mexico, we got Spain, we got England, we got Brazil, France, Japan, U.S., India, Italy. That isn't 12. <laughs> but three other undefined countries, and they're going to be all putting it up against each other. Cooking, I believe, each episode is based on a different country. They're all making their own twist mm-hmm. on different types of dishes. So this will be an interesting one to watch. Who will be the supreme chef? We don't know. Jeff, is this something you're, do you, I know you like Chef's Table. Do you like cooking competition shows? Do you well, watch we, those too? Well, we all know that 
saying I like Chef's Table is an understatement. That is um, true. I my you're un- all about Chef's Table. You live, breathe, eat, sleep. Chef's, Chef's table. table. It's my favorite show, right? Um, but to answer your question, no, I'm not crazy about what I love about Chef's Table is those personal stories about people starting businesses and coming from these crazy circumstances. But cooking competition shows don't really do it for me. When I was younger, I watched a lot of like uh, Chopped and uh, what was the the uh, uh, the really. Iron Chef. I used to watch that when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. but nope, I'm not really into these these days. Okay, it's it, I I understand to a point. I still watch them. Like I love Zumbo's Just Desserts, but it, part of me I feel like that I feel like is half that a the competition? Time, people, I didn't realize that was a competition. Yeah, they do like they got like three hours to make these badass desserts. But anyway, okay. um, one thing that I've always had a complaint is that like I feel like it doesn't show the true quality of someone's cooking ability, putting a time limit on them. Like how often when you're cooking at home, when you're like, Oh God, I need to throw this together in two hours and I got to eat it regardless if it's not done. Right. Like I felt that tension before my life, like maybe once or twice when I was like trying to slow cook something and I'm like, Oh, I got company coming over and I don't want them to eat at 10 PM. Right. Like beyond that, I'm like, there's never really a moment in actual cooking where you're like, all right, you have like 45 minutes to get this appetizer out to people unless you're like a, a cook. And that's your job. See, I I feel that I have felt that way many times. I feel like it, it almost doesn't matter how much you plan in advance. You're always going to have like that last second kind of um, rush to serve. But I was, I guess I was, a, that was my job for like four or five years. So I, uh, I always. So maybe kinda, you get some like PTSD watching cooking shows. Maybe, dude. You like, start to feel the, you feel the anxiety of like, oh, damn. Oh, yeah. I still I still have nightmares. I haven't cooked in uh, four or five years, but I still have nightmares about it. Like I have nightmares. You mean, that I'm... professionally, you haven't cooked, right? I cook every night, but like I, I... <laughs> Jeff has not years, eaten man. in four or five <laughs> years. <laughs> I eat out every meal three hundred and sixty five <laughs> nights out of the year. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, I, it's pretty stressful. Yeah, it's pretty st- stressful environment. So watch it if you don't get stressed out by cooking competition shows to see the dominant chefs in America. Finally, last but not least, Mystery Science Theater. Why am I just messing everything up? Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Gauntlet. Mm -hmm. It's a series coming out on the 22nd. We all know the the Mystery Science Theater thing going on. They're going to riff on the films. Yeah. (laughs) Did you want me to read the synopsis? I couldn't tell. Yeah, go ahead. You can do that. (laughs) This season, Kinga subjects Jonah and the bots to a devious new experiment, a back-to-back marathon of six hilariously cheesy and riff-worthy films. That sounds like what the show has always been about. Yeah, except, I don't... Th- except the characters have changed. <laughs> right, right. It's like- well, story-wise, they're not getting a break between. They're just going, I guess, back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. Oh, see, okay. that, that might be, like, funnier because... Of the delirium that would set in around film three, they're just like, you know what I mean? Like at that point, they don't even know what they're saying or what's happening. It's just kind of all, they're probably like tired as hell. It's just all happening in front of them. That would be a great idea. And I'll be really disappointed if I watch it and that doesn't happen. I'm like, they're not fatigued. They're just (laughs) acting like it's normal business. It, It sounds like that Shia LaBeouf experiment where he watched all of his films and and live yep. streamed it and part of it was just him sleeping <laughs> yep yep i yep. remember that i had a friend who was actually in the theater with him 
Oh yeah. When that happened, yeah, he said that he uh, booed himself a couple times, but other than that, yeah, it was weird. Shia was a weird dude. I enjoyed that Seems thoroughly. To be. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to derail the conversation into Shia. Yeah, I know. I know. We I can talk about him for an hour. But, uh, Mystic three thousand coming out on the twenty second, guys. There are so many Netflix originals this month. So for the full list, click the link in the episode show notes to get the full information and far less penis talk. Now. <laughs> We move on to what's leaving Netflix. We got a couple things. Emily, mm-hmm. Cruel Intentions 1 through 3. They're they're basically switching out vagina for penis by removing Cruel Intentions. You got to have a balance. Everything. Right. <laughs> but Hellboy 2, The Golden Army's gone. Jurassic Park's 1 through 3. It's donezo. Out of here. Steel Magnolia's gone. Land Before Time, 1 through 3. It's just a mass dinosaur extinction on Netflix right now. The Reader's gone. Right. Up in the air. Anna Karenina. Karenina. Anna Karenina. Anna Karenina and Amelie. You're killing me here. Yeah, Anna Karenina. What was the first one? Amelie? Amelie. 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 Anna Karenina. Anna Karenina. Anna Karenina. Okay, oh, God damn it. You're fired. (laughs) It's gone. It doesn't matter. It's gone. Paddington is leaving as well. So that's that's all sad. And that's it. That's all she wrote. (laughs) Jesus. We're done here. We finally, we finally got into the end. I feel like we've been at this for months. Jeez. <laughs> like, what happened to time? It's been a weird episode. Sitting here. You it know, was good, though. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, too, just because I love you guys. And yeah. any, any chance I have to sit down and have a conversation. Hey, before I forget, Mick Jost is officially Stop. now a full-time Cinema Blend employee. Stop. So let's That's all right. get him. We didn't even really talk about that. Yeah. Thanks. Well, it is exciting. It well, is definitely well, 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 exciting to be part of the Cinema Blend family. In earnest, no longer. I don't know what I was just a freelancer before. Yes, yeah. I was gonna say a stepchild, but okay. Stepchild. Yeah. <laughs> Mick was a stepchild. I'm, I'm so glad I'm able to take the Cinema Blend last name finally. Yeah. <laughs> be able to have a seat at the table. Like I feel like liter- literally nothing changes. I'm just excited to have him at holiday parties and shit now. That's basically the yeah. only thing that. <laughs> Yeah, the first time I see Adrian in real life, we've been doing this show together a year, Adrian, and I have never yeah. met you face to face. So wild. That's true. I mean, it's been fine for me up to now, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's been fine. That's, That's little, cool. That's a little mean. That's the most I can hope for. I just, guys. That's a little mean. Show us a little more love than Adrian. Drop a review on iTunes. It means a lot. To, it helps us grow the show. Give us more stars. Give us reviews. Do something, please. I'm, I'm not going to beg. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tune in next month to find out what's streaming in December. Probably a bunch of Christmas shit. Until next time, TV is overrated. Keep on cord cutting.